we have excellent news, Mrs. Sivan announced at my next lesson. Kate Stevens has been awarded prize for Year 12 exam, not just for best pianist, not best of all instruments in all South Australia. Congratulations, said my father. That's wonderful. Not just wonderful, fantastic. This is a girl who came almost to full stop. Everybody telling her to play violin, not piano, but she has great will, so wants to learn, and we made huge shock. She turned to me. Next, we make huge shock with Anna. I could see immediately at the concert. Anna also has this fighting spirit. Of course, must do enormous work. We must start Etude Chopin immediately. She searched through a pile of scores on her piano until she found a battered beige book with orange Cyrillic letters across the front and placed it reverently on the music stand. Chopin Etudes is most important book in life, but like the Bible, three quarters of people don't understand what's written in it. In Chopin, this is even more dangerous because all secrets written in sounds. You have to have enough brain to understand, but what else? Enough heart. Of course, enough heart and enough knowledge and intuition and special pianistic levels. These etudes are encyclopedia of virtuosity. Impossible to play mechanical because immediately will be pain. She dropped her voice. Even my first teacher in Russia wanted me to play like this with butterfly technique. She launched into an etude, labouring exaggeratedly with her arms. I have small hands and feel pain immediately. My teacher said, "Pain is normal. Don't worry." What did you do? I asked. She stretched out her hands in front of her, considering them. I will not say small hands are biggest gift from God, but much better than small brain. Inspired, I spent the summer holidays practicing Chopin instead of sunbaking. I no longer rattled through my practice deliriously, but carefully analyzed each etude, reminding myself of Mrs. Sivan's teachings, trying to trust my hands to teach myself to hear. Every note is important. She repeated, and if I noticed myself losing concentration, I would start again, fixing my mind on every sound, as in a meditation. Practice, I discovered, had an addictive quality beyond the unlocking of Chopin's secrets. It allowed me to be as obsessive-compulsive as I liked, to rehearse a mental process not just once, but again and again and again. It is not enough to understand. Mrs. Sivan told me, "Must secure, and one hundred percent security not enough. On stage, must be two hundred percent at least." Slowly, practice became a physical need, without which I felt fidgety, unmoored. My four hours' practice mapped out a necessary personal space in the day. At the beginning of year ten, my housemistress, Mrs. Athersmith, appointed me a prefect. This pleased me, but I refused to be distracted by the honour. I had to conserve my energy for my true task, which was nothing less than the entire renovation of myself to create a concert pianist. Music became a justification for my shyness, and I cultivated my silence like a spell. I submerged more and more deeply into practice, leaving my peers outside in the sunlight without me. When I snuck into the kitchen for a break, I overheard my mother's worried voice in the living room. All she ever does is play the piano. Do you think it's healthy? I tell you a secret about Chopin," Mrs. Sivan confided in me. "Piano is his best friend. More, he tells piano all his secrets. He put hand on the piano like this." I braced myself as she reached for my shoulder, but her touch was warm and affectionate. Enormous trust, no resistance, nothing between himself and piano. More than that, even. She transferred her touch to the keyboard. Hands completely melted down. He embraced the piano. She dropped her voice and glanced around the room. 
In my opinion, George Sand not the true love of Chopin's life. This is, this instrument, even he feel physical love for it. We have this absolute incredible, how do you say, intimate physical knowing. In Chopin, the what and the how are one, not two. Not one mechanical sound ever will kill Chopin immediately. Once more, this middle section. I concentrated on embracing the piano as I played the middle section of the Etude Opus 25, number 5. She took my left hand and guided it through the cello melody. Relax here, she said, isolating a point at the bottom of my palm, and I felt the relief of letting go, so that my hand was kneading, not playing, and the sound it drew from the piano was pliable as dough. Chopin is romantic who come into your body and into your soul, altogether such emotionally precise language. He confessed to piano, hold nothing back. Possible to say things beyond words. People ask, what is the secret? She gestured to the score. I told, secret all here. But you must miss not one detail, not one conducting space, not one pulse. That is true mastership. Chopin is epitome of virtuosity, yes, Mrs. Sivan reminded me. But never sport and music. Each etude greatest piece of music as well. I had to return to the beginning to coax myself once more to trust my hands and my hands to trust the keyboard. Exactly, she said, this is true freedom. Not just fish in water, much freer even. Fish in world, fish in universe, diving into oceans, flying through skies. That year at the Adelaide Stedford, I received my first first prize. When my father came home from work that evening, he asked how it went. I won, I said experimentally. I had always wondered how these words might feel in my mouth. They were less substantial than I had hoped. About time someone recognised your talent, he said, and scissor hopped sideways over the Chesterfield to hug me. That was the joy. Of course I am glad, said Mrs Sivan at my next lesson, but never rely on opinion. You're learning if you're winning or if you're losing. In fact, you're learning even more when you're losing. You're learning not to depend. Never go to the clouds, never go to hell. Stay on ground. They can put you up, put you down. Doesn't matter. I don't know, my father said. Anna's been working hard and I think she deserved this. Of course. What I promise, the more you will work, the more you will have. Anna, my darling, it's never easy life. Enormous, rewarding, enormous. We had chosen people, absolutely. But this world not appreciate it, not paying for it. I nodded enthusiastically, more than ready to be a martyr to my art, especially when awarded first prizes. We do spiritual job, and not necessarily all spiritual job has right equivalent in material reward. Do not expect that piano will make you millionaire, she laughed. But our life's so rich, we're getting paid always by happiness, and by sense of belonging to most important thing in our life. At school, I openly told the other students that I planned to be a pianist. In this society of aspiring doctors and lawyers and businessmen, it sounded as reckless as joining the circus, and I enjoyed their shock. You might need to be a little more practical, said a classmate. Everyone has dreams, but you also need to think about money. Who needs money? I scoffed. Music is a spiritual job. In bed each night, after hours of practice... A synthesis took place in my mind, so that my thoughts seemed to become musical processes. The day's worries melted into polyphony, and then consonants. My anxieties about prefect meetings resolved in a cadence, the sweet T.S. de Picardie of sleep. When I woke in the morning, I went straight to the piano before my thoughts could reconfigure themselves as words. My practice was still sometimes distracted as I searched for openings into that parallel world of hearing. 
But I found that I understood more and more of what Mrs. Sivan said in her lessons, and that I could remember it at home, at least for a time. You will go deeper and deeper every year, Mrs. Sivan promised me. Music is magic door opening inside you. Opening that magic door became the central purpose of my life. Self-improvement at the piano, my only narrative. I came to fear the moment of my death as a moment of reckoning, in which the practice would have to stop. But for now, such a moment seemed infinitely far off. At the end of that year, I once more sat my eighth grade exam. This time, I received an A+, and the Thelma Dent Memorial Scholarship for the top mark in the state. The dark days of the sea were in the past. My hair was growing, my hands quickening into life. Sitting at the piano, I soared towards my future, a fish in the universe, swimming past stars. year I won most of the sections I entered at the Adelaide Stedford and was awarded the Yamaha Medallion for Most Promising Pianist under 16. Several months later I was invited to give my first solo recital at Edmund Wright House on King William Street in the city. Early that morning my father took me into the venue for a rehearsal. It was a dazzling space when empty with its gilt ceiling and ancient diffused light. As I played on the Steinway, I felt as free as a child in a bouncing castle, sending my sound around the walls and up to the ceiling, tracing out its ornate grooves, and then back to my father in the audience. When we returned at lunchtime, I felt less confident. My father parked the car several blocks away, and as we walked, I avoided the cracks between the paving stones, unable to speak. My new chiffon concert dress had seemed to have transformative powers when my mother bought it for me, but now, as the spring breeze pressed it against my breasts and between my legs, it felt flimsy, as if I were approaching the stage naked. We turned into King William Street, where there was a line of people spilling out of Edmund Wright House, waiting for tickets. I veered away, as if stabbed. True artists must be comfortable from beginning, Mrs Sivan had told me. On stage is not time to warm up. But the Bach and Mozart passed for me as if in a trance, apart from a momentary stumble in the fugue from which I recovered immediately. Once more I was standing and bowing to the audience, but I felt better able to look at it now, having survived thus far. There was my entire extended family scaling upwards from smallest cousins to grandparents. The sun's rays sliced through the room like a child's drawing, illuminating my grandmother at the far left, dabbing her eyes with a handkerchief, and my mother sitting beside her, clutching her blouse. Behind them was Mrs Sivan with her husband Isaac. Over there, towards the back, were some of my school friends. Sitting obediently in their seats, the audience seemed friendly and containable, no longer the latent lynch mob of the street. I sat back down to begin Liszt's Rigoletto paraphrase, becoming aware of the grainy texture of the keyboard beneath my fingers, its mellow, well-worn sound. My thighs relaxed, which I experienced as a type of quickening, a sign that the recital had come to life. 
As I eased into the Duke's serenade, I was at once the seducer and the seduced. Perhaps this is going well, a voice said in my head, but I released it into the air and continued with my magic arts. Afterwards, I submitted to the violence of the applause and was presented with a large bouquet of flowers, roses, lilies of the valley, irises. I placed them on the side of the piano as I played an encore and then returned to the stage for the curtain calls. When the applause came to an end, I waited in the foyer, catching my breath. My grandfather came out first, tearful and mute. Just beautiful, dear, he said finally, as he grasped my hand. Mrs. Savan embraced me warmly. Lots of excellent things, my darling. In some ways you surprise even me. You proved to me that you can be concert pianist. This girl taught me great lesson, she continued. As a child, she was a little aloof. I didn't understand, didn't recognise. Kate, I could see immediately. So emotional, so excited. But Anna, always holding a little back. Always think first and after feel. But now, full revolution from inside. How her eyes have changed. Beautiful eyes, yes, so warm. Oh, so you're the teacher, are you? asked an elderly lady. What, she still has lessons? Shouldn't she be the one doing the teaching? We returned to the hall for Kate's recital, but my heart thumped so loudly in my chest that I scarcely heard a note. I wanted to be up there again on the stage, my hands warm and nimble on the keyboard beneath me, the fragrance of the flowers wafting into the air, blending with the music. I would perform encore after encore after encore. People would go crazy and women faint. I would seduce them all with my magic arts. I had discovered that playing a recital was the best way of being alive. <laughs> 